I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. Boys, we are here to ranch. James, we have to do justice before just sliding right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four, and you trot out a B team. What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking. Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Good evening, Vietnam. <laughs> James, I'll send it over to you. <laughs> Woof. On today's episode of Prem de la Prem. We break out the big guns for the Summer Roundtable Series. That's right, folks. We're talking Arsenal. Fantastic gooners and where to find them. We had our good friend and soon-to-be recurring guest Marcus Campbell join the pod from the UK. And, of course, your favorite co-host, Patrick Crowley over in the booth, who mm. uh, just serenaded you with an absolute massacre of a Robin Williams quote. Yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, I I uh, I enjoyed the conversation. We were supposed to have a couple other guests. Hopefully, they'll be listening into this to catch up. Uh, but I really enjoyed my conversation with Marcus. I like um, the subtle shaming of the other guests. You know who you are. Yeah. You know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I want to Marcus, tell them to listen to it, so I want them to get a little bit of a shout out. No, but yeah, Marcus true. more than brought the energy. It. Yeah, um, Marcus, like James said, joining us from across the pond. Uh, you'll find out he has a very intimate connection with Arsenal. So we were uh, we ended up clicking more than I thought we. We might. I, th- I thought Arsenal was going to be a little bit more divisive, but it's exciting times. You know, we're coming uh, coming up hopefully on a couple big signings, and I think I think I'm ready to get wrecked, James. I'm ready to get wrecked. Yeah, I I think this is just the cycle repeating itself. It's like a flower births itself anew at the start of the spring season. Mm-hmm. You are that flower who has made a couple signings. You know, everyone starts out with zero points at the beginning of the season. Uh, and you we're are ready to get hurt because of al- alphabet, you know how that goes. So we're always, oh we're always yeah, you're already season. sitting for. Oh no, wait, Aston Villa might give you a no. Sorry, uh, we took yeah. that one to the studio, and S does come after R. So his foot was on the line. <laughs> for the folks at home, we cleared that one up. It is no longer a mystery. Um, yeah, but I have a philosophical um, issue that I've been wrestling with all week. I want to run it by you, please. Every time. We get the summer round table series together. I want fireworks. I want tears. I want anger. And we got another well-mannered, thoughtful discussion. Yeah. What, well, am, I think, what am I doing wrong, James? I think that what you uh, what you have here is the spin zone. I think that what's really cool about the um, the top six in the Premier League right now is you, you're not certifiably crazy to make a case for either Liverpool or City to win the title. And you're not certifiably crazy for one of those other four teams to say that their ambition should be Champions League. So I think that you can enter this season mm-hmm. with some positivity. And let's let's revisit a couple of these teams and maybe a couple of these guests in the first international break. And we'll see if we can get some more volatility. We'll have right. a, a few new knives to twist, so right. to speak. You know, so um I and I and, and you did catch us like literally I think day of the Pepe announcement or the original first Pepe announcement. Yeah. You caught yeah. us on a really just good time. about the day of. Yeah. So yeah, you guys still not official. Night. So I'm not sure well, how I feel about that. I don't think there's a uh, too much to really lay out pre yeah. uh, sending it into the Marcus interview because a lot of it was covered there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, finishing a, a season very comparable to that of Wenger's fifth versus sixth place. Um, 51 goals conceded in defense both seasons. I'm talking Emery's first season, Wenger's last season. And then 73 goals scored this season versus 74 of the last season with Wenger. So you really, we really got into the nitty-gritty of where we're seeing progress in stat lines that match up. Um, yeah. And I think you are getting a little bit of that flavor. Yeah, and I think opportunity for progress. That's the big one for me. Uh, we touch on it, but the youth, some of these new signings, um, Arsenal showing a little bit of ambition in the off season. I think what we've we've um, almost come to expect though is that there's points in that t- in the season, or more specifically, even certain times in games, they lose that ambition. I think that's always going to be that's going to be what Arsenal has to prove until they prove it. Truly, is that they're they're willing to and able to 
overcome mm-hmm. adversity because I think we're what now three years without the Champions League after twenty plus straight. Yeah. So there's a growing tension there, and so I think Arsenal do need to address that. Um, and yeah, that's I think the again, I think my the season ambition for the year. Talk about uh, motivation. I think the the season motto needs to be "Do it for the Instagram." <laughs> you know how much they love posing for those photos. Oh. Dude, they look so good. I haven't seen I Ozil. I haven't seen Ozil in a lot of those team photos. I well, guess he, him, I him guess and uh, him and are actually being kept under lock and key right now after their uh, little adventure. Conspiracy runs deep. Conspiracy runs well, deep. Shout out Kalizniak. Shout out Ozil. Shout out the Prem de la Prem boys. Uh, before we send it in, we should probably give a little bit of a of a download to what they can expect beyond this at cast because we're looking at one more team if you guys are keeping track we're looking at chelsea we're going to get that one locked in for you guys and then we're going to do a little patrick james special before we start the new season Mm. yeah that'll have all of our predictions you notice we've been cagey it's it's a gumbo of takes that has been stewing away Mm -hmm. and we've tried we try to keep them under under wraps while everyone else has been giving theirs across the top six teams and um we're going to launch some, I don't know, I don't want to say jaw droppers, but some tasty takes to take us into week number one, which for the record is just over a week away. Yeah, that's at time of recording. Can't wait, man. Um, I'm still I'm still pondering the idea of an Andy inaugural address to Lincoln esque. Yeah, how about we put something on the? We'll put something on Instagram. Go head over to Instagram. Um, listen all the way through the episode. You'll hear, you'll hear the uh, details about that. Forget what it is right now, but um, go over there. We'll do a little poll to see if we should have Andy doing an inaugural address, and we'll let the people decide. Love it. All right. Without further ado, it's about time we send you into that Gooner cast um, with our dear friend and soon to be recurring guest Marcus Campbell. Here it is: the Arsenal episode of the Summer Roundtable series on Prem de la Prem. Our interview with Marcus the Arsenal fan is brought to you by Lunesta. Do you lie awake at night, unable to drift off into that sweet, deep sleep? Do you find yourself tossing and turning over the weeks that lie ahead? Well, Lunesta is here to help. With Lunesta, you can forget all about the troubles of years gone by and knock yourself out. Common side effects of Lunesta include illusions of grandeur, disappearing co-workers, self-sabotage, questionable motives, sudden decrease in financial stability, and shitting your pants. Consult your armchair doctor to see if Lunesta is right for you. Lunesta, good evening to all, and to all, a good evening. All right, good afternoon and good evening to a Mr. Worldwide episode of Prem de la Prem. <laughs> we couldn't get Troops or DT onto this roundtable series, but we do have a global guest in Marcus Campbell joining us from the UK, who is alongside, of course, my co-host, Patrick Crowley, who is ready to rant. So, ready Marcus, rant. he's ready to rant. Yeah. Marcus, I'm going to need you and all the listeners out there. I know this uh, this recording happened before you listen to this, but I still need you to retroactively give me your energy in stopping Patrick from ranting as much as possible. <laughs> and I'm going to put a lot of that on uh, our good friend Marcus over here, who's joining us, um, like I said, from the UK. Uh, Marcus, how you doing? It's past tea yeah, time, right? It is. It's late over here. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, I've been listening a lot and been dying to stop Patrick from ranting. Now I can finally do it. So uh, looking forward to disagreeing with him quite a lot this episode. We've been waiting for a contentious episode, and I feel like this is going to be the one. I'm genuinely excited. I'm excited. All guns are blazing. Let's do it. Yeah, gunners, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Patrick, unless you have any preluding comments, uh, no. I want to lead it right into Marcus with how we normally kick off all oh, the yes. roundtable episodes. Yes. So I think what we should do is, Marcus, take us through a little bit about yourself. This is like an interview. Tell yep. us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and how you um, got into football and specifically following the Gooners um, through all their highs and lows and, yeah. and lows. Who, who hurt you that you took this path? Um, so unfortunately, uh, my dad was an Arsenal supporter. He's from Northern Ireland. Uh, traditionally, there have been quite a few Northern Irish players that played for Arsenal. That's how he got into it. Uh, I didn't realize it was an option to support anyone else until it was too late. Um, <laughs> I remember Arsenal as never losing when I first got into it. It was the uh, the Invincibles, Thierry Henry, Burkham kind of years. Uh, uh, so what followed was very, very disappointing. A red herring of a team. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was given a false idea of what supporting Arsenal is. Um, Wenger was a god for me at the start, and by the end I sort of lost an element of respect for him. Um, sort of lost yeah. an element of respect is a very light way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. 
It's the poli- uh, no, it's, it's a polite way to say it. In hindsight, he, he's incredible. He's obviously very intelligent, did amazing things for the club. But that last six months he was there, yeah, uh, may have said some unfavorable comments about him. Uh, but yeah, now I'm living in London, um, trying to get Arsenal games as much as possible. How awesome. often do you go to games? I would say I went to about nine games last season. Uh, the highlight oh. being... Yeah, so I have an uncle that's a season ticket holder as well as a friend from university. Uh, so the highlight of last year was I went to the Arsenal-Liverpool game, one all wow. in the first half of the season where I thought we might actually have a decent team here until we then played Liverpool at Anfield, which <laughs> revealed we did not have a good team. <laughs> the lie detector determined that to be mm. a lie. Yeah, that's exactly, awesome you yeah. get to go that, that many games. Well, Yeah, I mean, they're, exce- not, they're not always as great as uh, Arsenal-Liverpool. I have been my fair share of Arsenal-Burnley right. and... Uh, yeah. What not, but what was the one you were at? Arsenal Everton. I went to Arsenal Everton. Did you guys two... cross paths? No, that was, I don't. I don't know. We may have. I've, not, my... I've I've never seen Everton, so wouldn't have been in that one. Mm, it's yeah, not on it. most people's bucket list. The Lacazette, Lacazette, Aubameyang, two nothing win. Yeah, you muffins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the the, uh, the the clock end is 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 quite a place to experience the game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> not the a, cop end. The yeah. clock end. <laughs> Well, um, let's dive right into it. I think the best way to kick it off is in a bit of a reflective sense. And um, the way we're going to run it, uh, Marcus, I want to lean on you mostly as the guest. As I mentioned, Patrick, we're going to keep him under strict lock and key here. So, Marcus, you can kind of kick it off, and then Patrick will bring you in for those, uh, those contrasting takes. But let's look at last season, Emery's first season. And I want to pose a very simple question to you guys. Um, And it's going to be a question, and I'm going to have some very leading statistics that will make you think one certain way, and then I want you to answer the question anyway. So, was Emery's first season successful compared to Wenger's last season? So, under Emery, you guys finished fifth place versus sixth place under Wenger in his last season. Uh, 51 goals conceded in defense both seasons. That's a consistent statistic. 73 goals scored this season versus Wenger's last season, 74 goals. So... With those things just laid out there on the table for no specific reason, uh, Marcus, why don't you take it away? Um, I think coming off the final game we played against Chelsea in Europe, it felt like it was hard to call it a successful season. Uh, we hadn't qualified for the Champions League. Eden Hazard and Olivier Giroud, of all people, had embarrassed us, which was especially painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back on what I always like to compare it to is United, whenever Fergie left the helm, it was a much better response. Um, Unai Emery kind of came in, built a squad, a squad with a few ragtag players. Um, Lucas Torreira kind of came out of nowhere, Genduzzi. Um We started off the season very strongly. Uh, it was just in the second half that it all kind of fell apart for us. I wouldn't say solely down to Mustafi, but largely because of him. Um, <laughs> but had that last game gone differently and we'd beat Chelsea in the final, I'd say it certainly would have been success. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I was happy with it. I think... We've got something to build on. I'm just glad Emery didn't embarrass us. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that. You know, no, no no contrasting opinion here. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It was there was a sour taste in our mouths, both with the way we finished the Premier League season, pissing away all of our chances, while every other team that we were fighting with was pissing away chances. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were opportunistic, we're in the Champions League. If we show up in Baku, we're in the Champions League. And I was saying it all year. I mean, that would that would be the goal, um, but. You know, I think if you look back and you really soak it in, we weren't that good under Wagner. We weren't. And we had these expectations of Champions League because that's what we had experienced for so many years. And, you know, Emery was supposed to be, or, you know, there was might have been this illusion that we needed the change of the manager and that's all it was going to take. Mm-hmm. And I think that it shed a little bit more light on the quality of the team. And, you know, I... I I'm excited to see what he can do this year. You know, I wouldn't say it's a, a success, certainly not a failure in, in a first in a first team first season. You know, and I think barring a few idiots, I think that's a commonly accepted idea that it's not on Emery this first season. Right. You know, we always talk about on our different roundtables and discussing managers. It takes at least a couple seasons sure. to imprint your uh, your identity on a team. So I guess you could say when you're comparing it to the Moyes season under United, there it wasn't so much of a circus, but in a negative way, it was a bit more business of usual, especially when you talk about how the season ended. Right. And you always talk about Arsenal showing up for the big moments, and I think that is something that you haven't really seen. I'm going to go ahead and say you haven't seen positive progress on as of yet. Would you guys agree? Uh, I'll let, I'll I, let Marcus I could, take this, yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say there are small signs that we're getting slightly better. Um, I think some of the players we've brought in really will make a difference going forward. Lucas Torreira is a big one for me, whereby it wasn't his best year due to injury, a few poor decisions or whatever, but I think he's shown that he is a brilliant player. Uh, so getting him in the squad is massive. Genduzzi, again, another one I mentioned. Um, he's only 19. He had a few silly moments during the season, but I think he's going to be a massive asset for us. Uh, and then just the signings we've made over the last two weeks. I think we have slowly made steps forward. Um, it's not a massive improvement on Wenger's final team. But as I said, I'm just happy that, one, we didn't take a massive step backwards, and two, Arsenal's actually giving him a bit of a chance. Uh, you mentioned Moyes previously, and Chelsea are terrible about it, getting managers in for a few months and then panicking whenever yeah. they're not immediately competing for the title. So I'm really happy with how the club's just been like, right, Emery, here's what you have to work with. We're going to give you time now to build on this. Yeah, I mean, I... I... It's it's interesting because we've never really faced this. Not in my time as an Arsenal fan. It sounds like not not in yours either. No. How do we handle mm-hmm. a managerial transition? Mm-hmm. How patient is our board? Uh, so it's it's this is an experiment, and you know I think that to to really build something that we want, which is to you know have more pride in in the Arsenal team and get back to some of those winning ways, compete with those top sides. You need stability at that at that level. Well, I'm already a little frustrated because you guys seem level-headed and you seem patient <laughs> and there's a little bit of trust the process coming through here. <laughs> but I do want to take you guys to the last couple months of the season, April and May. So in April, there was a point when Arsenal was sitting third in the Premier League. Um, there was a pretty classic home loss to Crystal Palace, I believe. I don't remember if we were watching that game together, but it had all those elements of defensive shockers and, and blowing uh, a bit of momentum in a game. And that was kind of a catalyst to what you guys already touched on as not the best end to a season that would otherwise, if you guys had made Champions League qualification, been a very positive season. So you guys have identified um, positive signs more so than problems in your team. And I guess I would preface this with, do you guys even think there's a problem to address? And my, if you do think so, as an, on, an onlooker does, I want to pose to you guys, do you think there's a bigger problem with the players you have on the field not having enough quality? Or is it those players that you have being good enough, but having an attitude problem and acting a little bit goonerish at times? I think that's a really good question. Because uh, if we zero in on one player specifically, Mustafi is like the perfect example. Whenever we first signed him, I was really that's excited. World Cup, he's a, uh, World Cup winner. World Cup winner, Mustafi, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then having seen the mistakes he made, for instance, in that game against Palace, uh, my girlfriend's a Crystal Palace supporter, so she never lets me forget results like that. Um, Uh it's just so frustrating and hard to believe that he's actually capable of playing in the Premier League Uh, I think overall no I don't think he's got the ability I think I think there are a handful of players in our squad and a few that we're getting into the first 11 which aren't good enough to be in a top four Premier League side I think we are taking the right steps now to replace them Uh, Mustafi's one of them Uh, Alex Awobi I don't think he's quite up to par to be uh, Premier League uh, top, top four kind of player uh, Al Nani was getting a lot of appearances, which was annoying me endlessly. Um, <laughs> you came to the wrong place. No, oh, no. El Nani was long, my boy. And then, yeah, toward the end of the last, there, I think there was a, I think it was a game against Crystal Palace where him and Ganduzi wanted a foul, and he just straight up stopped playing. In my take, mm-hmm. did a full one eighty on him. I loved him because he was always like committed, always ran, and then yeah, did it. Scored that goal but, against but that was Barcelona. All he brought to the table. Yeah. But no, continue. I'll defend El Nani at a later date. <laughs> also, congrats on the girlfriend. <laughs> um, cheers, Burton. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so basically, I think it's there are players that need replaced. It's not a good enough team to get a... Uh, well, definitely not a good enough team to be competing and probably not good enough to be winning top four. I, I would generally agree with that. And, and James, you mentioned the positivity. I think you just caught us at a good time. We did this podcast a week ago when we, or two weeks ago when we had it scheduled. You get a lot more frustration. You know, obviously we're just fresh off the Pepe signing. It seems like it still still needs a little final like final touches. But when Ornstein reports it, it's done. You know, that's he's tier one. <laughs> it's a he's, commandment. Yeah, it's as good as it gets. Um, but no, I've, I I would agree. I mean, I think I rate uh, Owobi in the fact that he's one of. I think the most ambitious players on the Arsenal team in terms of taking on defenders, trying to make something happen. I mean, I, I don't think he's of that, the skill caliber that Arsenal need if they want to compete in the top four, but he's the only player doing it. And so I think that speaks a little bit more to the attitude. I think that you don't, I mean, just look at who's worn the armband. You know, Kosielny's forcing his way out. Uh, yeah. Ramsey 
we we just let walk like who's the leader on the team when things like the, the, the I think the great thing about the Premier League is every team faces adversity and what separates teams in the table is how they handle that adversity mm-hmm. and I, I think some of the steps forward that that we saw is like early in the season we were handling that adversity we had there was the stretch of games where we didn't score in the first half for you know so many games in a row but we were also on that unbeaten streak at the same time how many times would Arsenal go into the half down one nothing against a bottom table side, and you're just like, oh shit, okay, here we go again. I yeah. guess we're blowing this one. Yeah. And then early in the season, we'd get two or three back, and we'd win the game. And maybe that was a little bit of fool's gold, and we were just kind of outperforming. But uh, yeah, I do, I do think there's an attitude issue. I, I would like to have somebody who's playing for the badge be the captain. I don't really care what the skill level is if you're in the first team. I, for me, it's for me, it's 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 Bellerin. I would I would give it to Bellerin, and I think that we need somebody. Who who just really wears wears that pride mm-hmm. and like plays for the badge and can elevate the level of everyone else with the energy. And, and I, 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 maybe that's maybe that's me just it's an indictment on the team that I want to give it to Bellerin. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's, that's let me bring this forward because I think we've talked about this whether or not it's on the on the cast or not, and we can bring it up now. Um, you've mentioned two interesting different philosophies. One of which is bringing in quality players um, with a price tag of close to eighty million. You're you're really taking a gamble that Pepe is going to be one of those sure. soon-to-be world-class. I think that's a fair statement when you're paying $80 million. Soon-to-be top world-class players. Is the philosophy you bring in players like that to raise the game of underperformers or people who have yet to reach their potential and will start to play for the badge? Or is there a different way in where you raise the young blood, which is a player who might not have as much quality at the moment, but they're bringing that level of play that also, you know, all, all boats rise with the tide. You, you improve your level of play there, but that might be a more patient approach because they're not the immediate payoff that you need. I'm wondering which philosophy you guys subscribe to more. And I guess Marcus, I can, I can go to you first on that. Cause I know Patrick has a few choice opinions. Oh, I got a lot. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, I personally haven't spoken to Emery about which of those she's taking, but uh, next time we chat, yes. I'll bring it up. Um, I think I think the second idea is probably more of what we'd be hoping to do, bringing in a player like Pepe. Then our, our front three, in theory, could be Pepe, Obama, Yang, Lacazette. Like that's just about a world class front three. And then we have yeah. got players like Willick, Inkedia, like Reese Nelson. Like they're clearly good. Reese Nelson tore it up in Germany. Um, if they could kind of learn from those front three, they could have consistent minutes coming off the bench, playing in FA Cup. Unfortunately, the Europa League. Uh, but they could kind of take the ropes a few years from now. Um, so I like the second idea. I think I agree with, I like that Iwobi did like to try things, but he's not really good enough for me. I think he's the kind of player we should be looking to sell for a little bit of cash, bring in Pepe and then have someone like Reese Nelson take the reins off him as a backup winger, uh, play a bigger role in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this season is, Iwobi's been given enough shots. I think this is his season to, to prove himself. I yeah. still would rate him ahead of Nelson, Saka, you know, I mean, they don't play the same position as in Ketcha, but even Emil Smith Rowe, I'd rather have a Wobi coming in off the bench. But the leash is short because if he's not going to progress, I'd rather yield to those other players mm-hmm. who are showing those signs uh, mm-hmm. and they're you know they could progress and like get them in the first team action, get a little bit of energy mm-hmm. in the team. I think that one of the things that that frustrates me the most about Arsenal is on their day, I really feel like they can compete with anybody, but they're just not they're not always up for it. Or it doesn't seem like they're always up for it. Right. Like, to me, that's like a, a little right. bit of lack of leadership, maybe lack of identity. Uh, but I would certainly subscribe to putting in mm-hmm. those, the, the I mean, it's, you're obviously buying players, and I really think we're having a very, very uh, strategic and smart window, this window. And I'm sure we're going to go into that because it's, it's a big thing that's happening at Arsenal. Sure. But with those with those youth players, like look at, look at who had the most passion, who was – the fieriest last year, it was Ginduzi and Torreira. Those are two young guys that we brought in, slotted right into the team, and they had a huge, huge impact. Leno even. Like, it's, there, there's everybody who I'm looking at, it's like, who was the player of our season last season? We brought in in the last two to three years, whether it's Lacazette, Aubameyang, the three that I just mentioned, there's not a whole lot of people that have been there that are still carrying that on. So, you know, let's, let's move on and move forward. That's, right. that's, that's what I'm hopeful for. I like your guys' take on that, and I want to offer a little bit of a devil's advocate, and it's not just to be a contrarian because I'm hoping the same for United. I like that we're investing in Greenwood and Chong and Daniel James from Swansea and not just 
you know, um, getting caught up with Gareth Bale being in the shop window and going that approach because you know United yeah. have done that in the past and it yeah. hasn't panned out. So I am right there with you guys in that philosophy. However, I do think one of the reasons why the Premier League is so interesting right now is because we're looking at a top six and not a top four. And not even just a top six, but teams like Wolves, I would put Wolves first, Everton, and then I guess our Liverpool roundtable folks thought West Ham was going to be up in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting Le- Lester, one. Lester, surely. Yeah. Leicester would be the more conventional one, but yeah. there's so much competition, not just to make a Champions League spot, which I think we can agree both Arsenal and United are in hot competition for right now. Their eyes are on fourth, maybe third, not the title. Um, not only just to make the Champions League, but if you slip up and if you don't have a composed team that's willing, that's ready to win, you could drop out of those Europa League places, and then you're in in, in real trouble. So yeah. I think there is a, an element of a gamble that comes with trusting the youth. Um, that you guys both mentioned you were behind. Sure, but what the hell is Mkhitaryan doing? Like, what what is what has he brought to the table in the last year and a half? Heard he had a good, I heard he had a good game today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. In the uh, loss. Yeah, but I mean, that, I guess my, my, my general thing, and I'll yield some of this to Marcus, is what do we have to lose? If, like, Mustafi is making those types of mistakes, Xhaka makes those types of mistakes, you have players that are just, you know, walking on the pitch. Like, what's... What's the risk? Mm. You know, because I, I, you know, that, that that's kind of my perspective. Like, there's a, I, I think that there's untapped potential at Arsenal, and I think that there, if there's complacency, you need to start to displace those players who are being complacent, whether it's just temporary to remind them that they're not locks to the first team every week. I think it's one of the benefits of a team like City, where they have that high quality depth. They just tell Riyad Mahrez, "Hey, next you're not up. good enough. Yeah, you're not playing well enough. Who's next? It's Bernardo Silva season. Right. You know, we don't have that luxury." Yeah, yeah, and I think the role that the way you described it is we could fall out of that Champions League place. I don't think the role these players would be playing would be week in, week out in the Premier League. It would sort of be if someone's injured, filling a spot, coming in for the last few minutes of games, playing in the Cups. I think hopefully our season would be defined by the bigger names of Laka, Aubameyang, uh, fingers crossed Pepe. It wouldn't be them who would be deciding our uh, where we finish in the table, but more how we do in the FA Cup, how the Europa League goes. That would kind of be their role. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. We're not, you know, the I, I think the benefit of playing in the Europa League, along with, you know, obviously the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, you can have plenty of pretty low-risk opportunities to give these players significant right. and minutes. expect to still Right? Win. You know, we, if we're in the Champions League, I, I don't know if I'm playing, you know, <laughs> Willock, you know, right off, right off the bat in the first group stage game. But in the Europa League, yeah. I'd be disappointed not to see him in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... Marcus, I think you raise a good point. Um, it might not be your starting eleven, so I guess let's bring it to the transfer activity that's going on right now, in the hopes that you are building a contending, a contending starting eleven that can go up against the likes of the City, the Liverpool. So to kind of recap, three, I'd say three marquee signings. Well, not marquee, one marquee signing that is yet to be completed. Three signings in total. We've talked a little bit about Pepe, who I imagine would slot right into your starting lineup um, with Lacazette and Aubameyang to make a pretty fearful front three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Martinelli, a young prospect striker, and Saliba, a young prospect defender, who you're anticipating will come good after a loan out. So talk to me a little bit about how you think this transfer market has gone so far. Patrick, you threw out words like strategic and thought through. Um, and would you be happy if this was all the business that was done? Because, you know, I think a lot of gaps were really identified in those last few months of the, of the season. And then I do also want to shout out uh, the Zaha negotiations, which carried out like a FIFA game, yeah. where you uh, <laughs> accidentally hit the A button when you put $1 into your transfer fee, and then the, uh, the guy storms out of the room. $40 million and one pounds. Yeah. I do want to add the, uh, the loan of Danny Caballos in there as well. I think that is a significant enough move to be considered. Yeah, I think he's good enough to be in our first 11. I think he'd, he'd start next to A Ramsey replacement. Me. Yeah. I think a like-for-like like Ramsey replacement. That's what I yeah. do as. All right. Well, talk to me about your, you know, your your starting eleven that you're building and how you see the transfer activity going. Uh, overall, I'm pretty happy with what we've done so far. Um, it's frustrating with these players like Saliba because, I mean, I can't say that I've watched him week in and week out, and that I've I know exactly what his strengths are. But people on Twitter seem to be happy about him. Uh, he's a pretty big name in the football community. I think what's frustrating though is we've kind of filled a lot of positions which weren't our biggest concern. Uh, I think right now. Uh, Tierney could be our next signing at left back and I don't think that's where the biggest issue is uh, I'm pretty mm-hmm. happy with Kalasinac starting there 
I think it's blaringly obvious we need a center back, not for a year from now. We need one for the opening game of the season. Uh, we maybe have two respectable center backs. Three, if you say Monreal, can maybe do a job there. But it's kind of frustrating to me that that's not been addressed and we've been yeah. signing multiple wingers slash strikers. I think that's the one area I'd be concerned about. It's just why haven't we looked at a center back? Well, for I think a Sir Kalazanac, to you, can do no wrong. After oh, he's, he's a god. He is. Yeah, yeah. at this point, yeah. Uh, there was a meme that I really agreed with. It's you know, there's three pictures of him. He he defend, he attack, but mostly he attack, and then he's beating <laughs> the shit out of those guys. But yeah, that's my biggest problem. I mean, if I think I I would like to play four in the back, Marcus. I don't know where you would stand on that. I'd like to get back. To, I think four three three or you know a four two three one. If you want to just isolate Lacazette up top and play Pepe and Aubameyang further wide, those would be our best formations. And Marcus, I noticed it, you also didn't bring up uh, Rob Holding. No, you said two respectable center backs. No, no, no I think he was in that conversation. Yeah, Rob Holding's one of the two for me. Uh, I think Thank Socrates you. and Holding. I actually think this is a very hot take when it comes to Arsenal. I've been made fun of a lot of times for saying this, but I think the turning point of our season last year was Rob Holding getting injured against United. I just think that was disastrous. It meant Mustafi was regularly getting in the team. It's if you look at it when it happened, it's exactly when the twenty-two game run ended. I think he was a massive yep. blow for us and. I yeah. think playing a huge role for us this season, starting. You're welcome. Center back. I couldn't. Yeah. The rivalry's alive. Yeah, of I couldn't. Course. I couldn't agree more. I've been. I. I. I, I think Rob Holding's our best center back. I think he's better than Socrates. I think he has an incredible potential. Uh, the the fact that, uh, you know, he's as young as he is. Hopefully, he's coming back healthy off this injury. I think that's the big question mark for our center back this season. I feel a little bit more comfortable with, um, with our current center back situation if he wasn't coming off of an injury. Because that's a big question mark, and it seems like we're going to start the season with Socrates and Chambers. Chambers, who was playing center defensive mid on a team that got relegated last year. I do rate Chambers, but that's a that's a pretty wild card center back pairing. You know, if 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 Callum Chambers is your composed <laughs> your composed center back, yeah, you know, you trouble, got yeah. you got some problems. And um, I don't think I don't think that Kalisniak is great in the back four. But if I were given 25 million pounds and asked to choose between a center back and a left back, I'd be looking to buy a center back. I do think yes. that's yeah. where we need to be spending our money. Yeah. Monreal could have been good enough for another year to serve behind Kalisniak. You can play Maitland Niles there. There's not, there's, you, you have options. Whereas at center back, like what, like it's, it's been a problem on our team. Not to mention like, for like four or five years. Not to mention Tierney's been a nickel and diming saga over a price of 25 mil, yeah. and then you guys come out of the left field and drop 80 on. Pepe. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. the Celtics going to make of that. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. it's. <laughs> do you have more money to spend? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, we're blowing that 40 million budget out of the way. Um, I mean, I, I do think Tierney gets done. Emery had a press conference today where he said they're still looking for a center back. So if we're able mm -hmm. to get another center back, mm -hmm. I think that this would be one of the best and most ambitious windows mm -hmm. in recent memory for Arsenal. Um, I do also think, like you know, I'm I'm okay if Arsenal says, like they they somewhat you know want to wait for their Van Dyke. They want to not yeah. try to spend thirty forty million pounds on somebody who might pan out to be that next great guy that they want, but rather spend. Which it seems like they've done with Saliba. Yeah, but he's young. He's 18. Right, who might pan out. But yeah, but that 35 million pounds on an 18-year-old has me pretty excited. You know? But that's the player that you were describing. No, I'm talking about like a, somebody that's more established. I have no problem going after somebody that's young. You wouldn't pay 30 to 40 million for an established defender in today's market. That's what you're paying for these 18-year-old prospects. I mean, Alder Wells transferred release clause like 30 yeah million. we don't know what's up with that why aren't we smashing that <laughs> yeah. why is no one yeah steal them from spurs marcus too? Just... do you have any information across the pond on why no one's used uh triggered the release clause for ottawa no no one's spoken to me about it personally but uh i'll, I'll make a few calls tomorrow <laughs> all right good yeah get back um, on that. one final point yeah. i want to make on the whole transfer thing is um a lot of these signings we said we're going to make tierney and the big one being pefe is We've made a lot of promises about like paying um, in installments, so like paying the eighty million over the next four years. I think a massive. I'll get concern. you back, bro. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'll I swear I'm good you. for it. <laughs> uh, I'll get you a drink once you get to the bar. That's how it'll yeah. be. Don't worry. Um, I think what I could definitely see happening, though, which is kind of a risk, would be say we do have another shock, another couple shock horror years. Don't make Champions League. And once again, we have this 40 million budget, and already 20 million of it's going to paying off Pepe, who say turns out to be a flop. We could be in an even worse position a couple of years from now with no with yeah. no transfer budget. So, I mean, 
we may as well go all in now, but I just want to be, I said it on record, it could backfire. Yeah, I I was talking to James about that yesterday. It's it's It seems like a very, like on the surface, a move that's very cautious and calculated, but really it's a very risky move. It's and all in, it's, it's all in for this year, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would say that maybe, maybe you can do one more year because you have Saliba coming back in at that point. Maybe you get some of those larger, you know, uh, contracts off the books, can purchase somebody, mm-hmm. give some of those players a, a chance to evolve. But we're basically open up a running tab that's going to calculate into these yeah. years. And yeah. if we can't get into the Champions League in the next two years, Your we're going to be... budget's not growing. Right. It's shrinking. Yeah. But with that small budget, I think that we've, we've, we've made some shrewd signings in the types of signings I would like to do, rather than mm-hmm. somebody who's, you know, I, I mean, who's, who's the early... It was like a Ryan Frazier and Johan Carrasco. It's like, yeah, they're probably better than a Wobi, but that's like, what's their ceiling? They're not. Yeah, yeah. They're not move the needle yeah. type players, and so yeah, we're going I think we need to, to stop agreeing, Patrick. Yeah. I think we said we'd be controversial, and every point you said, yeah. I agree with. Yeah. Everyone brings their best selves to Prem de la Prem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we start talking, I wish about, we got like, you uh, the starting last eleven. Or, we'll probably have. I wish we got you last week or two weeks ago, Marcus. Yeah, yeah that would have been a different. You seemed game. in a more contentious mood. <laughs> Um, so is Zaha dead in the water? That's not happening, right? I, I, I don't know. Do you, it, do you want it to happen? I don't even know where he slots in at this point. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather take Pepe than Zaha. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I think we're we're uh, directing course towards a starting eleven conversation. So let's go ahead and address the pair of butthole eyes in the room <laughs> and talk about Patrick's Lord and Savior Mesut Ozil. Marcus, I want to get I want to get first of all your general blanket opinion on how you feel about him as a player, where he slots in for Arsenal, what he represents, and whether or not you think he's worth the three hundred and fifty million Sanchez esque wages that he's getting paid. Right. So my thoughts on Urzo is he's clearly got incredible ability. Uh, a few times a year, he'll pop up and have these performances where you're like, he's top five in the world. Who else could have done that? The annoying thing about those performances is. It's games we were going to win anyway. The one that comes to mind specifically for me this year was Leicester at home. I think we won 3-1 or 4-1 and scored like one of the goals of the season for me. He was mm-hmm. yeah. unbelievable, but why is he doing it only at home against Leicester? He can't ever seem to pull that off at Stamford Bridge or up north against either of the Manchester teams. Incredibly and players' careers have been defined by that. Yeah. 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 And I, right now, I think... Whenever he first joined the team and he had that relationship with Alexis Sanchez, they were able to show up in big games. Uh, I think he very much needs the right players around him. So I'm still going to give him a chance, despite how much he's frustrated me over the last year. Because I think if we can just get the right set of strikers, wingers around him, he could click back into that ability where he could tear apart bigger teams, uh, as opposed to what he's doing now, where it's an amazing game against Leicester, one incredible pass against Burnley, and then nothing else the rest of the season. Uh, so, yes, I want to keep him only because of those glimpses he's shown. For me, he just needs to start showing them at the right time. Yeah, I I, I think Ozil is um, – everything's lining up just for a master class season. I think that the talent that is surrounding him – I think when you look at what um, – his relationship with Bellerine on the right side last year before Bellerine's injury, yeah. which is another one that we didn't talk about that I think really, really hurt us, both – in terms of what he brought to the field, but our lack of depth in that position, we ended up having to play, you know, Lichtenstein or oh, Lichtensteiner, God. you know, Carl Jenkinson in like big games, you know, like, and you know, everyone loves Carl Jenkinson, but not when he's on the field, you know, he's one of those guys who's like on the team, but you, you don't want to see him starting in the Premier League. Uh, but I think that that relationship they had with pace down the wings allows Ozil to find space, and as much as you know, Aubameyang and Lacazette can deliver in that final third they don't really bring that same partnership with Ozil that like a true wide player does. I mean, we were seeing that with Bellerin and Kalisniak. That's Those are the two players he liked playing with the most. You mentioned Sanchez a few years ago. And obviously, I, he's got critics for a reason. The wages, the lack of performances in the big game, I can't defend him on that. But yeah. on his day, when I think he needs the whole team to be clicking, he shines. Mm-hmm. He's not going to elevate the team. And I know it's cop-out for him saying, hey, other people need to play well if you want Ozil to play mm-hmm. well. But we're not going to be good if other people aren't playing well. And so I'm not going to put that all on Ozil. And I think that when when he's feeling it, I, I don't know that there's a more creative and exciting player to watch in the Premier League. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he has a level of creativity and talent that other players don't. I think it is definitely an indictment on his appearance, his showing up yeah. in the big games that has defined his career because how can someone have the numbers and the performances of like a 15-16 season, I believe was the season where he just put up right. otherworldly um, you know, stats, and he that hasn't gotten him yeah. sort of like a lifetime pass. People are still, you know... At, I don't know what percentage of fans would you guys say want Ozil to leave the club. I, I think it's I think it's over fifty percent at this point. I think he's just yeah. thought of so negatively because of the number of times we've gone to the Etihad or United have come to Emirates or whatever. It's some top six teams, mm. and you don't even remember him being you on mean the, the dance floor. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't. Yeah, we took po- four points off you clowns this year, lest you forget. It's true, we yeah, did. Yeah, that's true. From Granite Jaka, no less. Oh yeah, that was all time <laughs> scariest that Sunday. The all old the knuckle bar, I, all the things I couldn't allow to happen. Um, um, but continue, Marcus, on the on Ozil there. Uh, yeah, I think most fans are frustrated with him. For me personally, I, I, as you said, I think the stars are aligning for him to have a, another season where he kind of finds that form that he had when he first joined us, or he had at Real Madrid. Uh, that's why I want to hold on to him. I think it's it could happen again for him. Especially now, this, he's, he's like, got a new lease on life now that uh, he's been protected from those uh, the guys with knives. Yeah. And the, the blonde hair. Yeah. Well, yeah. L- let me ask you. I mean, it sounds like I was going to ask you, is he in your starting 11 for that, you know, that first game? It sounds like you'd say yes there. But, like, how long is his leash when you have Caballos waiting in the queue, Willick showing potential, clearly – more talent on that team that could displace him than maybe in years past. Oh, I think I think the mood will get pretty insidious if the results aren't rolling in and he's in the starting lineup. Yeah. I think he'll be the first one to get singled out. Yeah. I mean it's it's he is the easiest person to scapegoat and he's always the wages you mentioned his body language which snake goaded. Yeah. Snake goaded. Yeah. But All the illnesses as well are kind of uh, very questionable. Oh yeah. He has a cold. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's bring it full circle. How do you guys want to trot out a first eleven against? Uh, remind me, first first game of the season, Newcastle. Newcastle. Oh, that'll be fun. Is it away? Tell me it's away. I believe it's home, but I'm not, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. All right. Well, I uh, I live today, with then. I live with three Newcastle supporters, so it's going to be a big day in the uh, in the house. That must be terrible. Just <laughs> absolutely awful. Well, it's fine because we're at a completely different ends of the table. It's almost. Uh, friendly discussion about uh, the league every time. Right, very civilized. Yeah. With the Geordies. Yeah. Um, so, Marcus, hit me with your first 11. Right. I probably should have had this prepared, but uh, I'll give it a go. So, Bert Leno, who, yeah, as you said, I think he's been brilliant since we signed him. Really happy with him. Uh, right back, undeniably, Hector Bellerin. Uh, center back, Socrates and Rob Holding. Um, I'm going to... I'm guessing this is a first 11 of players that are currently signed, not potential, might be locked in in the next week. Mm-hmm. Right. So then it would be Kolasinac at left back. Uh, I agree with Patrick. I think a back four is pretty essential for us, uh, especially if we want to throw in loads of players that basically won't defend, being Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil. Uh, yeah, we need four at the back. Uh, the two central midfielders I'd then have are Torreira and oof, close between Ganduzi and Caballos. Uh, I think I'll go Caballos on that one. I think Ganduzi's still so young. Uh, he had a few moments last year. He looked very ropey. Um, yeah, I'll go with Caballos. He's just a bit older. I think he captained Spain under 21, so hopefully he's got uh-huh. a bit more maturity uh-huh. about him. Uh, in front of them, I'd have uh, Urzel as a center attacking mid. I would have Aubameyang out on the left, uh, Lacazette up front, and on the right, uh, I probably can't say Iwobi now because I've slated him for the last half hour. <laughs> so uh, I'll stick in uh, Reese Nelson. Yeah, this assumes the Pepe isn't hasn't. This signed. is with Pepe not in the squad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So would you if if um, would you slot in both Tierney and Pepe into that starting lineup? Yeah, I think they're like they're like for like replacements there for Kolesnac and I don't know why I said Reese Nelson at this point, but I couldn't say Wobi and I don't like Mkhitaryan, so yeah, yeah. I respect your acknowledgement of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would, and I I think we'll inject our first points of contention here. Um, I would I would start a Wobi. I mean Pepe, I would put in right. Um, 
Right, as soon as we get him. Um, but I would, I would, um, I would start Jaka next to Torreira. I think he gets a lot of stick for doing, you know, I think he the half of Mustafi's work, which is the you know the most goals, yeah, the most errors yeah. leading to a goal. Uh, and you know, it's it's the most frustrating part of his game because I think that when you have all of the just kind of chaos that we have going forward, where you know Kalisniak is somehow found himself in the right corner during a normal normal attack, and Aubameyang's not tracking back, Ozil's not tracking back. You need somebody who will take a tactical foul, and I yep. and just stop yeah. a counterattack. And I do think that he has a lot of great characteristics there. Settles the game. He also has the capabilities to unsettle the game. So I would put him. I think that midfield three, that midfield three pairing is going to be the key to Arsenal season because with Caballos coming in, you have to imagine Ozil's on a shorter leash. Um, you know, I Gunduzi is 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 got a lot of promise and clearly Emery likes him. You had him at PSG mm-hmm. and then bought him over. Right. Um, and uh, Willock, I think, is impressing a lot in preseason and it's a position where how how much worse is Willock in that position? I don't think he's too vulnerable, especially if he's paired with Torreira. So I think all all of those people, I think Torreira is the only one that I full stop want to see every time in a team sheet. First name on the list. Yeah, I would like Ozil to be there, but I would understand if Caballo started over him, especially sure. in a tougher game. Sure. You know, Stanford Bridge, maybe have somebody who's a bit more industrious playing that role, like yeah. Ramsey. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think that, that three in the midfield, locking those three and getting those three playing well is going to make or break Arsenal's well, season. Yeah, I we'll think it's refreshing. They... It's refreshing as well to finally have like five or six odd people that could be in that center mid role. I felt like for a long time mm. we were kind of stuck with, uh, I mean, going as far back as, oh, it had to be like Santi Cazorla was there with, um, uh, yeah, with Francis Coughlin, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for a long that time we boy. didn't really have options there. We had an right. injured Jack Wilshire threatening to come back. Yeah. Flamini got a lot of lot of starts, and that was oh, yeah. pretty <laughs> damning. <laughs> Guaran- yeah. Guaranteed a red card. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what you guys envision for the team and how it stacks up to what we actually trot out against Steve Bruce's reinvigorated Newcastle. <laughs> um, I want to, yeah, so we're coming up to 40 minutes. I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, this will hopefully bring out a little bit of the hot takes that I'm waiting for you guys to yeah. come through with. So these are just open-ended questions, and I'm going to make a statement, and then you guys slot in the the replacement of the X in, in the statement. Okay. So. Marcus, we'll start with you. Yep. If Arsenal don't make the Champions League this season, it will be because blank. Mustafi is playing regularly uh, as a center back. <laughs> Genuinely think we don't. If we don't sign somebody, he's going to have a regular role there. That's going to be the not issue. a fan. <laughs> When's Rob is abysmal. Is Rob Holding ready to? I think he's he fit to start in the first day. Yeah, he hasn't oh. played in the preseason tour, but he's in full training. Okay. So. Yeah, I never really Maybe they're just protecting mean. him a little bit, Got but it. his fitness probably isn't quite there either. So Got it. I don't know how it's going to But even so, you need you need you need four playable center backs, which right. at the moment we have like I said we have just about two out of stretch three, that's not including Mustafi, that's considering Monreal another center back. It looks like so, it looks like match match day 1 it's going to be a pairing of Socrates and Chambers based on the preseason. Yeah. Lineups, which is you know, we'll see. Fulham player of the season, which yeah. basically means that's why they went down. <laughs> playing, play, playing center mid as well. Yeah, yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. The yeah. Scoring volleys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe he finds his way into the into the team somehow. But yeah, he's always he's only ever played right back and center back for us. Mm-hmm. And then he played center defensive mid. So what would you say, Patrick? Injuries. I think that's it. I think that in Stay uh, there, healthy. there's specific people, but like like you know, Marcus alluded, I mean it's it's kind of the inverse. We don't have to play Mustafi if we don't have anybody go down in that back line. I think that that applies to a lot of positions. We lose. I mean, Lacazette got hurt today. We don't know the status of that, mm. but he was in a walking boot. Mm. Hopefully that was precautionary. Mm. Um, I think we could probably survive with Awobi and Pepe on either side of Aubameyang for a, a month or two, but if it's a significant thing like that. So you think you have a Champions League team, all players healthy? I do. Okay. I do. All right. I, th- I, think, we're, I think we're one or two signing away from having a – fully fit Champions League team. Yeah. Um, I'm counting uh, Pepe, though. I'm counting yeah, Pepe. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the mentality I have from what I've seen. I do think the space to watch, you mentioned Mustafi, you mentioned injuries. How is that center back line going to hold up? 
because it is it's been so goonery for so long and it's all fine and good yeah. to come into a new season and think things are going to be different i do the same exact thing my dad thinks united is going to finish second yeah so <laughs> oh, challenge for second but finish third oh that's right sorry yeah yeah, yeah. but no I, I and marcus i'd be interested to hear your take on this but if you told me that 38 weeks obviously there'll be yellow card suspensions for Socrates but 38 weeks of the season your center back pairing is going to be holding in Socrates I would guarantee Champions League yeah I'd, I'd definitely be happy with those two but I think there's no chance that'll happen just with our <laughs> yeah. track record of injury yeah. we need somebody that can fill in for games especially when we're yeah. going to be playing on Thursday nights with another game coming on Saturday it's uh-huh. gonna be a quick turnaround true all right well I think there's a, a pretty easy moral high road that I hope you guys don't take for this next question. But in 2021, 2022, not next season, not sorry, not this upcoming season that's about to kick off, the, the next season, for the start of that, who will your manager be? Wait, give me the seasons again? Oh, no, I'm sorry. 21, 22, not this upcoming season, not the next season, but the, mm, season the after. third season down the line, who's your manager going to be? Right. Um, Freddie Lindbergh. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Emery is here to here to be a, a stopgap. And I think that with the youth, I mean, I think it goes hand in hand with, one, Emery's success with the club, obviously. You know, if he fails to make the Champions League in either of the next two seasons, I think he's going to yeah. be in some hot water. Uh, and also, if that those youth players progress the way we hope they can, Lindbergh mm-hmm. was our youth you're, I believe our under twenty three manager for the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. You know Nelson, Saka, Neil Smith Rowe, your uh, your cousin Burton in there. Zach Medley's going to get some first team minutes this year. I mean, like that. I don't expect him to be well, our, our competent fourth this center is the, back. This but is the way of the modern manager. The modern manager yeah. hiring. You know, you I want it. Emery to work out. I don't. I don't want to be right because if I'm right, that means we're in for a couple of rough years for right. Arsenal. But I would be really encouraged with him as the manager, hmm. and I think that that. Maybe it's a move to give the fans a little bit of, little bit of pause for you know calling for the manager to go out, put some stability into a team, let that youth team grow. That might be a contingency plan, but I mean I think he's got I think he's got what it takes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. In uh, 2020, 2021, not next season, but the following. Okay. Who is your top scorer? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Pepe. Go, yep. Coming off that one season in <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, Kieran Tierney. No, um, <laughs> um, I I I'd say Messi, <laughs> Marcus I mean, Campbell. I, <laughs> I think this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wearing the number fourteen. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that if he's, I'm, I've just got to say it. It's got to be a Bamiyan. I don't think he's gonna be off the team. And the guy just scores goals. He played half a season and showed his class. I think he got double-digit goals in his half a season as a January transfer. Comes in the second season, wins the Golden Boot, also also leads the league in missed chances, so he can be more clinical. He just puts himself in too many good positions to succeed. He is a bit of a poacher, and then if you add a little bit of an element like Pepe in to create more space, distract defenders, he's going to find himself in some advantageous positions. I mean, he's just... He he's just a finisher. He that's that's what he is. He is thirty. So yeah. when I, when I think Aubameyang, I think pace. And yeah, that's, that's exactly game, what I thought. Yeah, his game will need to change, and it'll be interesting to see if he can adapt more of like a just Aguero role because he's still doing it at thirty-two. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's got a few years in him, but that yeah, that's how will he adapt to to age? Probably not as smoothly as someone like Lacazette may. Mm-hmm. Like if you uh, had to Patrick, make a decision. Patrick, whenever I talk about Aubameyang, I always think. Anyone that doesn't watch Arsenal thinks he's our best striker. He's, like, incredible on the ball. He gets all these goals. He always pops up with whatever winner or whatever. But anybody that kind of watches Arsenal week in, week out knows that Lacazette's a better player. Mm-hmm. The passes he makes, yeah. the way he holds up the ball. I think there's no, there's genuinely no better player in the league at putting the ball in the back of the net whenever they start with their back to goal. The number of time he gets to slide in with the center back right on his shoulder and just somehow manages to find a way to create a little bit of space. Yeah. I think Lacazette's yeah. absolute class. Yeah, yeah he's so do brilliant. I, so do yeah. I. But Aubameyang puts himself in positions to, yeah. to score. Yeah, he, yeah, he will score. He He'll does. always score more. Right. Yeah, but yeah. he's not a better but player. No, I, yeah. yeah, if um, I mean, I just think of that goal against Liverpool, that game you were at. That was just oh, it was all brilliant. Him. And yeah, he, yeah, and, yeah. You know, 
Well, on... to be fair, it wasn't all her. It wasn't all him, and I'm going to regret saying this, but Awobi did set it up for him. <laughs> it wasn't a nice little pass through, but even I mean the touch away from Allison bending it around at the corner. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, so patient. He was yeah, yeah, and then, but I mean the the two of them together. I hope that we could keep them together for yeah. a few more years. I think that if we're not able to, you know, that's you want to for for the team that we want to be. You need that caliber of player. And if they're not in the team in two years, then we're going to have some bigger problems than mm. Pepe being our lead goal. Scorer. Or you're giving them competition. Because right now, I don't think they have any competition, and you wonder if that's going to creep into their gameplay. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's Nketcha needing to get a start here and there, just mm-hmm. the show Ferguson, his class. The yeah. Ferguson motto was always you need four forwards. Yeah. We're competing for spots to win a title. So hopefully that's something you guys can introduce into the fray. Hopefully Martinelli's kind of putting some pressure on. Yeah, he's he's shown great in the preseason. I know it's the preseason, but yeah. he just seems to be kind of have this um, like youthful, just like free type of play where mm-hmm. he's just going to run and yeah. he's going to take mm-hmm. people on. He's going to make runs in behind. He's going to get a chance to shoot and he's going to shoot. I'd rather have that. I can't tell you how many times in the Arsenal game like we get I don't I don't know like two shots in the first half. I'm like, what, what did I even wake up for this for? <laughs> oh, I. I, I like, I always love when South American players are at Arsenal. Torreira's a perfect example. Luis Suarez hated whenever we played against them because they just want it more than everyone else in the field. Something about mm. South American players, they just always put in 10% extra. Yeah. And they know how to close a game. Yeah, it's why the Copa America is just fireworks. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's amazing. You can't take emotions out of it. Yeah, it's so good. All right, well, you guys have touched on this last one, but let's just get it in finality. In 2020, 2021, not this season, but the next season, I'm looking at Patrick's glazed eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to, I didn't want to do math today. <laughs> I've got a calculator not, out here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let me break it out. Not this season, next season, your center back pairing will be X and Y. Uh, I think you have to say Saliba. Um, you'd hope that having invested all that money and given him a season to develop, he'd be in the starting 11. And then Rob Holding, I think we've praised him enough, uh, said why we thought he was brilliant, but I think he's got a really bright future ahead of him. So hopefully they could be a centre-back pairing that went on for a good five or six years uh, and we could I build around. I have to say, I'm disappointed you guys haven't thrown in a player who's just not even linked with the club right now. That would really <laughs> spice things oh. up. <laughs> Holding and Van Dyke. A reanimated Carlos Puglio. <laughs> so Marcus Honestly, Campbell I would, and... Yeah, I would take Carlos Puglio right now sight unseen, instead of Mustafi. I mean, positionally, he's got to be still... Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's probably just what, like, probably just a little over 40. Yeah. I'd take that. But no, yeah, I mean, it's... If you're spending $35 million on a kid, you better be ready to slot him in. Uh, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm... I'm excited to actually watch him play this year, like, in, in, in League One, the old Farmers League, as James likes to say. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, he's, he seems to fit the bill for the type of... He, 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 just, he just looks like the center back. Big, strong, 6'4". You know, the next Veron. Yeah, hopefully. You know, I mean, that's... The French connection's always been strong for us, so hopefully mm-hmm. this one comes through as well. That's, and, and those, that, that's obviously something we need to address. And so maybe this year's just a stopgap. What does Chambers do? Socrates? I don't know. But it doesn't seem like we're going to sign another center back. So Oof. I hope we do. But I, I just... With all that we've done, I don't see it happening. Yeah, team holding. Yeah, holding stays healthy. We'll be good. Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. I mean, the discussion has been really great, and I'm I'm happy to have both you guys giving your takes. Um, you got to let me have some fun on this. So we're gonna finish it up with a game. Coming up to the end of it, we're gonna this call this one. This one's called before or after. So everyone loves Arsenal's invincible season. You know, <coughs> back to 2003, 2004. It was a good 15 years ago, and. You know, the memories are strong, but time has passed. Like I said, it's been 15 years. A lot of things have happened, advancements in technology and pop culture. So the game's going to go like this. I'm going to name something that happened, and you're going to tell me if it happened before Arsenal won the title in 2003-2004. Okay. Is that tracking with you, Marcus? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to promise you guys I'm not Googling anything. I'll, uh... I uh, wasn't even thinking that was going to be a possibility. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't worry. Thank you for just... Okay. Okay, thank you for calling out. All right, first one. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Patrick here in the studio. Okay. Uh, before or after Arsenal won the Invincibles title, "Hollaback Girl" by Gwen Stefani came out. So which so I gotta say "Hollaback Girl" was before or after that? Correct. 
just trying to like date myself here and was I in high school or was I in middle school? You know what? I think that that was before. Ooh, it was after in 2005. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's painful. I was close. All right, you had Mark. to pick them right on the line, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, these are all right on the line. Okay. I'm just an asshole like that. <laughs> Marcus, over to you. The moon yep. landing. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Depression. No. Uh, the We're U- in that now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. The U.S. elects Arnold Schwarzenegger to office in California. Uh, I think that happened before. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It happened before. 2003. Um, and at this point in the game, I'm going to jump in and say I really wanted to make everything after, just to <laughs> prove a point. <laughs> but I, did, I didn't go that route. Well, I only went right. before because I didn't think you'd put two afters in a row, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, that was, that was my line of thinking. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the game. <laughs> All right, uh, the Red Sox win their first World Series since 1918. Did this happen before or after Arsenal won their last Premier League title? Same. They won in 04. But you got to give me a very specific. Oh, it would be after because it would have been October versus May. All right. Well, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good one. All right, Marcus. Uh, Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom star in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Was that before or after Arsenal won their last title? Was, I'm assuming Curse of the Black Pearl was the first one. Uh, yes. I still think it was after. That was before. It was. Wow. It was. It was a close one. It was 2003. Okay. Um. You know, great film. Yep. And then Patrick, let's bring it over to you. Okay. Uh, the OC debuts before or after Arsenal last lifted a Premier League title. That was before. I'm nearly certain on that one. Yeah. Yeah. You gonna lock it in? Lock it in. All right. That was before 2003. <sighs> All right. Last one. Bit of a wild card. Marcus. Carrie Underwood beats Constantine Marulos to win American Idol season three. It's got to be after. There's absolutely no way it was before. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it was after. That was too Yeah, obviously, yeah. Was... All right. Easiest well, that was yet. before or after. <laughs> We're going to see if we can workshop this one and bring it back into future games. But... I want to open it up to closing statements. Patrick, I know you had a lot of takes that kind of organically came up. Um, yeah. You know, you've got you've got a fellow-minded Arsenal fan. I'm wondering if there's any last comments you want to bring up. No, I just think that, um, you know, we touched on it, but I think that Arsenal's business this summer, I was very nervous about going into this season. We were told the $40 million budget, you know, our targets were Ryan Frazier and Johan Carrasco, and I was trying to get myself excited about that. But what Arsenal's done putting uh, Frank, Freddie Jumberg in the position of the assistant coach tells me that they're going to try to invest in the youth. I think they're taking steps in the right direction. I am cautiously optimistic that that will play out on the pitch this season and we will be in the Champions League next year. That is my expectation. I will have a little less patience for the process if I don't see that. Right. Um, if I don't see that, I would love to see a full-on shift to some of those youth in some of the positions where... It's just not good enough. That's what I would. That's that's my hope for this season, um, and I'm just so ready to get blindsided by a three-two loss to Newcastle oh. on match week. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Marcus, anything you want to throw out there? Uh, I am optimistic for this season. Uh, unfortunately, I've been optimistic for every season for the past ten years, and it hasn't panned out as I'd hoped. Um, I do think one thing I will say about next year is I think if our goal is to get top four. One thing that works in our favor is the only two brilliant teams in the league are Liverpool and City. I think outside mm-hmm. of that, anyone else is pretty beatable. I think Chelsea are going to have a poor year with the transfer ban. Yeah. Uh, United haven't really proven anything with their new signings. And Spurs have got the one big name in, I think. But uh, I think they could see players go. And I think a few overrated players, i.e. Deli Alley, Eric Dyer, could get uh, exposed. So I think the biggest asset for Arsenal at the moment is how poor some of the other teams that are contesting for the top four are. Yeah, I'd say that's a generally accepted take from the guests we've had on the show. I think where I differ with you guys is I think Tottenham is a clear-cut third team. I think the way they've maintained and hung on to their assets while still building is pretty impressive, and I'm saying that because Trippier got let go and it's hard to call him an asset. So (laughs) why don't we, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but why don't you give us your, your top six in order for next season? Just to put you on the spot. 
Is this for me or for Patrick to kick off? Uh, this is for you. Pat, we're, Patrick's going to save his for uh, okay. For oh yeah, okay. Preseason we, episode. Right. Yeah. We call it yep. Patrick's corner, where he's just going to fire up an episode on his own rant for an hour. <laughs> Three hour special. <laughs> <laughs> now let's um, talk about Mustafi. <laughs> right. So uh, I think City are going to win it again. Uh, I think Liverpool kind of lack the depth that mm-hmm. City have kind of built over the last few years. Mm-hmm. The fact that City are letting David Silva kind of leave the squad and bring in Phil Foden kind of shows how incredible they are with, like, Sané and Mahrez not even getting in the first 11. I think that's just unbelievable. Liverpool's mm-hmm. first 11 are probably as good, but long-term, City's depth will win it for them. Um, as I said, Liverpool's the only team nearly as good as them, so Liverpool will come second, I reckon. Uh, and then this is kind of where I think it is very tight. Uh, I agree with the points you made earlier on Spurs. They've managed to hold on to their assets and improve further by getting rid of... Uh, What's his name? The right back. Um, Trippier. Yeah, yeah, Kieran Trippier. Yep. Yeah. So I think and they will come to, third. Yeah, and to be clear, I don't think they're going to even come close to touching Liverpool or, C- or City, but no, I do no. think they are the best. I do think they are the best of the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I think we're going to slot into fourth. Uh, I think United. A couple good. Well, good signing with Wambasika, but I do not rate Solskjaer whatsoever. I think he met, he was mm. terrible with Cardiff. He had a good whatever eight game run where he triumphed against his own Cardiff team and Huddersfield or something like that. But yeah, I really don't rate him. six other games. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't see United um, coming top four, so we'll come fourth. United will be better than Chelsea because they can't sign anyone, so United fifth, and I don't think Wolves are good enough yet to take on Chelsea, so Chelsea will be sixth. Yeah. So the the blocks of teams are pretty much all the same. Yeah, I, no I West agree. Ham in this one. I think three through, three through five, and probably even three through six. You can make any case, yeah, for any order there, and it's not a hot take. Those those four teams have plenty of, plenty of capabilities to be third, and plenty of pitfalls to be six. We yeah. already need to watch ourselves about getting too invested in the third through sixth place. I don't know West. if it's just entirely self-serving, but I find it more exciting. It than is the title race way more exciting. <laughs> It's like watching Little League Baseball. You never know what's going to happen. Ground ball to short, that thing could end up in the stands. <laughs> well, uh, Marcus, honestly, thank you so much for jumping on. It's been a great chat. I know Patrick has been waiting to just get a lot of feelings off his chest, and you proved a great soundboard for him. So, um, Yeah, thank no, you thank you guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, that was an absolute pleasure. And uh, we're two weeks out from the actual kickoff of the season, so we'll, we'll keep you close and maybe have you back on to talk about when Arsenal's languishing in seventh place. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, looking forward all right, to Patrick, you're cutting out. Uh, Thanks a lot, Marcus. <laughs> all right, see ya. <laughs> Much appreciated. Thanks all for listening. What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem de la Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem de la Prem podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.